here in such a wonderful, wonderful way, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And uh, again, great to see all of you here um, tonight, and thank you so very much for coming Wednesday night Bible study. would like to remind you of our up-and-coming events. Um, I'd like to, first of all, remind you of service here this coming Sunday. Uh, come out expecting just, a, again, a great time in the Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, let's trust the Lord to do some mighty, mighty things here this coming Sunday. What do you think? Thank the Lord. I believe that's an order, and I believe God will be here this coming Sunday. I'd also like to remind all of you of our Christmas banquet uh, on Friday night, uh, December the 16th, begins at uh, 7 p.m., <clears throat> and uh, it's at Forest Grove Plantation, and uh, you'll not want to miss that. We've been announcing that, promoting that. Um, I understand there were handouts in the lobby Sunday. We reminded you Sunday during church to get out your phone and text yourself to get you um, to make sure your name is on the list to go. We still want to encourage you to do that. Um, got a wonderful text from Brother Greg Albritton today that said uh, he is still working on his material and certain looking, he's certainly looking forward to coming and uh, just having a good time, a good night uh, here with our church. And we're so excited about him coming. It's going to be a good night of just good fellowship and good fun. And... Uh, when you show up at church the following Sunday after the banquet, if you're not there, you're going to regret it because everybody's going to be telling you how amazing and how fun it was. So get online and uh, you can go to our website and, uh, uh, and you're able to pay for that and what have you and secure your seat for our Christmas banquet. I'm excited about it. And uh, <clears throat> also want to remind you the following Sunday, Sunday the 18th is our Christmas service at 11 and our theme is God with us and uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, our children our young people our praise team and I am so excited and I suppose it's okay to announce it but uh, Steve Bunch is going to be soloing on his guitar the song Miraculum he's done it a couple of times in the past and, and that right there is worth coming out not just you yourself but bringing a whole bunch of people with you uh, that is really, it's enjoyable, it's impressive, but it's so inspirational. Uh, such a, a great dynamic way of telling the Christmas story. And uh, so you'll not want to miss our Christmas service um, on the 18th. So that weekend is going to be busy uh, with, with wonderful, wonderful, wholesome, good Christian uh, activity that's going to be a lot of fun, that's going to be, that will minister to all of us going into our Christmas season. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Well, tonight I want to teach a Bible study, one that I have not taught in several years. And as a matter of fact, as we uh, or, or have, have wound up, I wasn't done with the, the principle of the PATH series, but I feel like you've got the point. Uh, this is kind of my posture. The people that understand the principle of the PATH really don't need to be taught that the people that don't understand the principle of the path that don't do a whole lot of God of, of good to teach it anyway you're not going to get it anyway that's not a good point of view but um, there is some truth to that anyway but I, I, I plan to teach 
several Bible studies as a follow-up to that. Uh, I will tell you on the outset of this, when you, in, when you invest your time, your money, your talent, your gifting, whatever it is, the more of that you give to the kingdom of God, the more blessed you and your family will be. <clears throat> and uh, I've seen it all of my life. Uh, when people give a lot, when they love hard, uh, God blesses uh, tremendously in so many, many ways. So tonight, uh, let's begin Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, this is talking about Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham, he, Abram, gave him tithes of all. Uh, I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about the biblical history of tithing and that it is still applicable to you and I today. <clears throat> There's a, a, a concept that I would like for all of us to warm up to. Uh, when, you, when you read and study the Bible, I don't believe it's necessary for the Bible to say the same thing at a certain frequency for it to be made valid. Um, I believe God can say something once and that is really all that needs to be said. But there's also a <clears throat> kind of an interpretation of, of scripture, this is very broad, that people have, that if the Bible doesn't say something specifically, then I don't necessarily have to obey um, what is not said specifically or what have you. Uh, I have taught numerous times that the Bible is very explicit and the, the Bible is very implicit. And um, uh, this is certainly true uh, with tithing. True at Kathy, the man that started Chick-fil-A, and all of you have heard this story, uh, was, I understand, a very upstanding uh, Christian man and was a firm believer in tithing. And when he introduced his concept and philosophy to opening this chain of restaurants, which has been America's favorite fast food restaurant now for several years uh, running, um, I believe there's a reason for that. And it's because out of his tremendous loyalty and respect for God, uh, he respected the Sabbath day that they would not be open on Sunday and that he would tithe. Uh, the earnings of the Chick-fil-A restaurants. And he did. And I believe God has blessed that restaurant chain above and beyond every other restaurant on this planet. I was driving through the big metropolis of Alexandria several years ago and uh, had, had run an errand somewhere, whatever it was, and was coming back through, and I literally got stuck in traffic, literally, out on a four-lane highway because cars were wrapped around the Chick-fil-A there uh, just off of MacArthur Boulevard running through Alexandria. <clears throat> and uh, they were wrapped around and backed all the way out down the street. And I thought to myself, it just can't be that good to wait that long. But there's a lot of people that believes it's that good. Amen. I will give credit to um, Chris Lewis. 
I've never been a fan of the food of Chick-fil-A or Cane's for that matter. When I grew up eating fried chicken like my mother used to make, it, it, it's just hard to eat fried chicken anywhere. I'm not saying it's bad. It just didn't measure up to what she made. But if you eat at Raisin Cane's, Chris Lewis said, and he, he was right. And as a matter of fact, um, I think Chris is back there. I can't see with the lights. That's him back there. Sister Murph and I have been back once since we ate. We got canes for all the people remodeling the platform that Saturday. He said, get a little packet of Louisiana hot sauce and just squirt it on there. Just make you a line of it on there. And he, he mixes his with the cane sauce or whatever. <clears throat> that makes it far more edible and enjoyable. So thank you, Chris, for that suggestion. But God has blessed Chick-fil-A, as you all know. And there's a lot of people that have a misunderstanding when it comes to tithing in our modern-day church, church culture. There is movement. It's not hard to find even on the Internet that tithing is not required at all anymore. Where the Bible talks about tithing, this is what I was saying in my introduction, nowhere does the Bible say you don't have to do it anymore. And just because it's not mentioned at some certain frequency all throughout the Bible doesn't mean that God did away with it. And there's a lot of uh, biblical teaching and understanding that backs up that point. <clears throat> and for the benefit of those who have to answer questions of this nature, I'd like to just give you a, just a brief summary of the Old Testament tithing system. Um, it may be a consolation to those who find it hard to pay one tithe under our present system to know that in Old Testament times there was actually three kinds of tithing that God expected. Now who is really upset because we live in the New Testament time? Raise your hand. Um, <clears throat> so there were three kinds and and I'll make I, I, I teach the first type and that's the priority and it is still biblical to this day and I'll explain to you why in a moment but each of these three had a definite purpose and although not all of them are enjoined upon the New Testament Christian the study of the significance of these is is recommended so you'll understand the three types of tithing in the Bible in the New Testament is, is this number one there's the Levitical or the sacred tithe according to Numbers chapter 18 verses 21 and verse 24 and then there's the tithe of the feast. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. And then there's a tithe for the poor. So you had those three uh, different types of tithing uh, in the Old Testament. The first tithe, the one we trace back to Abraham, I just read the verse, um, is the sacred tithe given to the Levites and priests for their service to the temple and the congregation in the Old Testament. So this was a tithe that the nation of Israel gave. They brought it to the temple, uh, to their place of worship, and it was given to the Levites and the priests, um, compensating them for their service to the temple and the congregation in the Old Testament. So this is a tithe we continue to give under today, and that's the tithe that Abraham Abram began uh, after the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek and that is continued on in the New Testament. And I'll give you scripture for that 
either tonight or next Wednesday, as the Lord will. It is a tithe consecrated to God and the furtherance of the gospel and has therefore validity for all believers in Christ. The second tithe had an entirely different aspect and we'd do well to contemplate its meaning and purposes. And I'll, I'll make this very brief. It was the Jews were commanded to set aside a tithe because if you'll remember when they came out of, of Israel and they were in the land of Canaan, God had them start celebrating seven feasts a year of some kind or another. Uh, some of them were more primary than the other. But they were all the Jewish people, especially the men, were expected to visit and to be a part of those feasts. So they had to set aside money to pay for that trip. That's what that tithe was for. I understand in my study that this was also a time of socialization. They could socialize with all their Jewish people that they had not seen for the whole year. Um, there was a lot of food to eat. They ate all week long at, at most of these feasts and what have you. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of joy and what have you. Uh, somebody said one time it was like setting money aside to go to camp meeting every year uh, to pay for that trip. It was a tithe that you had set aside to, to go to, to camp meeting every year. So that was the second tithe. The third tithe was to set aside a portion of your income to give to those who were poor. I'm very happy to say that we set aside monies here at Grace Church. Um, it's benevolent money. And um, oftentimes we have a benevolent committee who is the same as our trustee board. If somebody has a need, we'll present it to the trustee board, let them weigh it out, the legitimacy of it and what have you. And, and over the past number of years, we've helped a lot, a lot of people. We don't get up and announce that. We protect people's privacy and uh, what have you. And, um, but we, Grace Church, does do that. <clears throat> we set aside a lot of money for a lot of things for that matter. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our tithing and giving to the church, I like to say to the kingdom, or lack of it, our giving or lack of giving eventually becomes an issue of the heart and then an issue of salvation. Our text reveals the first record of tithing that is recorded in the Bible. And Abram has just won a courageous battle in which he was able to retrieve his nephew Lot and all of his lost possessions. And by way of giving thanks to God, Abram gave one-tenth of all he had to Melchizedek who at that time, during the life of Abram, was the king of Salem and also a high priest of God. There's very little known about him, but we do know that he was a priest of some sort, and Abram felt it was the appropriate thing to tithe. Now, what is significant about this story to me is that this preceded the giving of the law to Moses by approximately 400 years. In other words... Abram started tithing long before Moses commanded it in the law of Moses. I think that's a good point. Uh, tithing did not begin as such as we know it um, until the law of Moses. But Abram started tithing before the law of Moses was given. 
So as time went by, Abram's grandson Jacob, the one through which the covenant of Christ and the, the coming of the Messiah would be fulfilled, he also pledged to give a tenth unto God. Genesis 28, 22 said this, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and, and of all that uh, thou shalt give me, I surely will give the tenth unto thee. This was also long before the giving of the law of Moses. The law of Moses simply joined in with the practice of Abram and Jacob and regulated the amount of the tithe. So the law taught us that we are required to do uh, that we are required to do this as a minimum, and also what God considers generous. Abraham taught us that we ought to give 10% simply by faith. Paul taught the same in the New Testament. So faith without works is dead, and we cannot please God without faith. And I say that if you, if you don't tithe, there's an absence of faith somewhere along the line, especially in monetary things. We cannot please God, the Bible said, without faith. Our works are then what is pleasing to God because it proves our faith in Him. And James makes that clear in the New Testament. So one of Abraham's works was tithing of all that he had. And we should do the same thing if we are going to be pleasing to God. And everybody needs to understand that. Tithing is a necessary part of a, of a relationship with God. It is something you do that is pleasing to God. And if you're not doing it, you're not pleasing God. We need to understand that. People say, I can't afford to pay tithes. You can't afford not to pay tithes. So it appears from Scripture that what Abraham did was simply giving out of thanksgiving to God and was showing God, proving to God, that he had faith in God. So why is it called a tithe? We had a man in our church in Youngstown. He was probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. There was just a lot of things that he did that was funny that he didn't mean to be funny, and that's why it was funny. And this story I'm about to tell you right now is one of the things he did that to me was humorous. He always talked about tithing as tidings. It's like glad tidings. I'm going to pay my tidings. And we never could get him to understand there's a, a, there, it's a T-H, not a D in that word, tithe. It's, it's not tidings. Anyway. Tithe means one-tenth. Everybody say a tenth. It means a tenth. It means a tenth part of the whole is what it means. So back in Bible times, if somebody gave you ten sheep, you gave God one of them, and you gave God the best one you had. In our current times, if somebody gave you 10 sheep, you would give God 66%, about 65, uh, 70, 65-70% of that sheep because we believe we don't tithe only on what we bring home. We tithe on what the government takes out. The take, we, we tithe after what the government takes out of our checks. So 
we would only give 65, 70% of that sheep that we give to God because a lot of people don't believe you should tithe the whole. But the word tithe means a tenth of the whole, not a tenth of what the government don't take away from you, not a tenth of what health insurance don't take away. It's not the leftovers after all the stuff is withdrawn out of your check. That's a misuse and a misunderstanding of the word tithe. And I'm kind of getting an emoji look from a couple of people in the building. That wide hat emoji thing. Oh, God. What am I going to do here? Um, but the word tithe means a tenth part of the whole. So how did Abraham know to give one-tenth of all that he had? Who instructed him to do that? Where did he get the understanding of tithe? Moses wasn't around during that time. It wasn't written in the law of Moses. There were no decimals in that day that we know of. In fact, um, 12 had more meaning than 10, so why not give one-twelfth? <clears throat> why was it, what was it that caused Abraham and Jacob to offer 10% or a tithe to God long before it ever became a law. Well, let's back up here a minute. Um, how was it that they even knew what a tithe was? Even though they gave out of their faith in God, there had to be something else that taught them what tithing was. There had to be some custom or recognized practice that they patterned their giving after. So let me throw out a couple of things here tonight. Was there some law of Noah? God made a covenant with Noah in Genesis chapter 10. Was there some law of Noah that they might be following? Was it just simply common sense? Or was it possibly taken from some of the cultures that surrounded them? I believe that there's some possibility in all of these examples. Uh, history proves that tithing was practiced in Babylonia, even before Abraham was born. Tithing records have been found in Egypt. It's been found in Greek literature before the Trojan War around the 13th century. And tithing has also been found in early Roman records. So this practice had to have had been based on a common source. It is reasonable to conclude that God taught man from the very beginning what portion of a man's increase belonged to God. So for the benefit of the doubter, since it is not recorded in the Scripture, I will not base my teaching tonight on any of these things that I just mentioned. And I also admit that we do not find any specific law of tithing in the book of Genesis. In fact, we don't find laws about the Sabbath day in the book of Genesis either. Neither do we find laws in the book of Genesis about adultery and stealing and all of that. But the people who lived in the book of Genesis knew that these things were wrong from somewhere. So there is, though, a scripture in the book of Genesis that's very interesting to me that lets me know that God had established a set of laws that were recognized by Abraham long before the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. Notice the screen in Genesis 26, verse 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, God said, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. 
So based on this verse, there was a commandment from God, a law from God, a statutes from God set up somewhere along the line that Abraham was well aware of, and perhaps this is what caused him to start giving the tenth of what he had to God. So apparently Abraham must have known that the tithe was due to God because of some law that God had established with him. And yes, it was his choice to follow those laws, but God apparently established them long before the Mosaic law. So could these laws of Abraham also have been the law of Moses? Moses just wrote them down. Uh, I'll remind you that Moses wrote both Genesis and Exodus. So all throughout the book of Genesis, again, there were men and women who knew that adultery, who knew what adultery was, and they knew that it was wrong. They knew that it was wrong to lie. They knew it was wrong to steal. The law of Abraham was in effect, even in the book of Genesis, and there were people that understood what it was. So it's very possible that the Mosaic law and the laws of Abraham were one and the same. And I believe that's possible because God don't change. I believe he's going to tell one man one thing and another man something else. So Abraham had a record of obeying the laws of God, and that means that it wasn't a one-time thing. Abraham's life spoke to the faithfulness of his obedience to God's laws. This is what God had to say about Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 19. He said, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may not bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So Abraham had proven himself to God over time, and God knew and God knew and expected that Abraham's children would do the same things that Abraham did. And this is no doubt why Jacob tithed. I want to make a statement here. I choose to believe that Isaac tithed. Just because the Bible doesn't say one way or the other, if Isaac tithed or not, does not mean that he didn't. So today as Christians we are known not as the children of Moses, and the Bible is very clear on this, we're also known as the children of Abraham. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, uh, Paul said, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. God said, if we are children of Abraham, we are expected to do the works of Abraham. Uh, Jesus, in a long conversation with people in John chapter 9, the Bible said, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Abraham was a tither. And the Bible says the New Testament church is the children of Abraham if you do the works of Abraham. And I believe the strong implication there is that you pay your tithes. I think it's, I want to say here in passing tonight, I think it's tragic that there's people that have ability, they have uh, gifting, they have talent, they're faithful, but they don't pay their tithes. And apparently, of all the testimonies that we've shared, and believe you me, Sister Murphy and I have heard testimonies from this church about people tithing that have been absolutely unbelievable. But a lot of people tell us these things has happened to them in confidence. Uh, someone just recently has been 
bothered by not tithing, expenses, bills, all of that. And just out of the clear blue, um, this person was called in and was given a tremendous raise. And uh, they said, okay, this is it. I've never had this amount of money before, and I'm going to start tithing that amount of money. Um, God allowed some other things to happen in their life shortly after that that came to almost a perfect total of 10% so that they could pay their tithes. And I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. If you could understand the blessing that could come, I'm going to come to that later. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's clear to us tonight that we're to do the works of Abraham. Abraham tithed to God long before he was circumcised. Any student of the word of God here tonight knows the importance of Old Testament circumcision. In the New Testament, it was substituted for water baptism. Water baptism is an essential part of salvation. So in the Old Testament, circumcision was as important as water baptism was or is in the New Testament. Abraham started tithing before he was even circumcised. I'd like to say tonight that it doesn't matter if you're saved or not. If you tithe, God will still bless you. I've known somebody a long time, many, 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 many years, well, 50 years to be exact, uh, that, that left the church, that backslid, that turned their back on God, but kept tithing. And God blessed that person, tremendously blessed that person, and they're still living under that uh, umbrella of blessing to this day. So Abraham tithed before he was circumcised. This tells me that one of the first steps of obedience to God and God's plan for man is tithing. And it ranks right up there with repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So everyone who comes to God is expected to do the same. If you want to be a child of God, you must do the works of Abraham. Uh, I want to say again, as important as repenting, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Ghost, so is also tithing. Let's talk about the first offering in the Bible, this first record of giving to the Lord. We know the story is found in Genesis 4. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. And unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. This, of course, was not a tithe. It was an offering. I don't want anyone to say that I said it was a tithe. I didn't. It wasn't a tithe. But it is interesting to me that Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. That meant he brought the best he had. I don't know how much of them he brought, but he brought the best. So it was not a tithe. It was an offering. This offering was not a law, but it was given, given out of faith and commitment to God. Notice that God accepted one and rejected the other. This is the, this is the principle that God places. This is implicit principles that God places on giving of your finances to the Lord. So um, God was in, uh, establishing an important principle here. This was thousands of years before the Mosaic Law was ever established. And the principle was this, bring me your first part, bring me your best part. From that day unto this, God does not accept just any offering. I don't believe he does. God accepts the first fruits, our best efforts. <clears throat> that is what our tithe is. It is our first fruits, and God is still requiring 
the same of us today. God never changes. So throughout Israel's history, throughout Israel's history, the people often backslid from God and his laws. There was no question that tithing was included in the law of Moses. Nobody disputed that. When the people chose not to pay their tithe, the land was cursed. When they chose not to pay their tithe, the land was cursed. The people were cursed. The whole nation of Israel was cursed. We all know the, the scripture in Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read it anyway. But this is one of the accounts where that happened. God asked in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, Will a man rob God? God is asking this question and said, You have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? The answer to that is in tithe and offering. And in verse 9 he says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I wish I could have people understand tonight. I, I said it a little while ago and I'm going to say it again. The tremendous blessing that comes to a person and to a family when tithing is a part of their relationship with God. Look at families who don't. I'm not saying your family's going to be perfect. I have, a, I have some scripture here. It's going, to, it's going to back that up here in a minute. But when people don't tithe, when you just have a staunch refusal, and, and, and here's, the, here's the misgiving about it, it's, and it's so upsetting and disappointing to me. I ain't giving my money to that preacher. You're not giving the money to a preacher. That's the big, huge misconception. Malachi teaches you bring it to the storehouse. You bring it to the church. That's the representation of God's kingdom on this planet. It's the body of Christ that I talked to you about Sunday. I have seen it in people all of my life, and I, and I say it often. I said it to somebody here a while back. You will do a whole lot better with God's help living on 90% of your income than you will, without God's help, living on 100% of it. Amen. I hope everybody hears the amens. God will bless you. You don't know how many times. I'm not sticking my neck out. I'm kind of putting God out there. I have challenged people through the years over and over and over. You, you pay your tithes. Well, you know, I make $8 million a year, and to write out a 10% tithe check on that, that's a lot of money. Okay, we'll start with a dollar. Give God something to work with. And then God will enable you to work up, to work up, to work up. I told a couple that a number of years ago. They told me, they said, Pastor, if you're going to talk to us about tithing, I'm just going to tell you don't. It, I, we can't. Just can't. I said, don't put words in my mouth. Hang on a minute. I said, do you have any change in your pocket? And the man dug around his pocket and he had some change. I said, this is what I want you to do. Walk out of my office to the lobby and get a tithing envelope and put that change in it and tell God if, the, if you're honest with me you tell God because he knows God this is all I've got and I'm going to give it to you I'm going to give it to you as a tithe in faith that you're going to bless and help me to reach that 10% mark I don't remember all the figures but his wife got a 30 something percent raise not long after that, he got a 20-something percent raise not long after that. God blew their mind. That's a true story. 
I've been given permission to tell that story. I can give you their name if you want to, and you can call them and ask them to tell you the story. You're not going to outgive God. And when you give to God, God is going to see to it that your needs are met. Sister Murphy and I are a living, breathing example of that. I would to God that people would just get a little faith, get that tithe check. The I forget thing don't fly with me. We do this every Sunday in church. We encourage you to give your tithes and offerings. You can give it online. There's an offertory, but you're reminded at least once a week. And it's amazing how you don't forget anything else that you're supposed to do with your money. Your house payment, your car note, your car insurance, your utility bill. You remember that? So the I forget thing don't fly. All right. <clears throat> he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me, prove me, prove me. Everybody say prove me. Everybody say prove me. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. People that don't tithe are telling God, I don't want that blessing. That's what you're saying. You don't believe there's any merit to that blessing. I don't believe you believe there is a blessing. I think people that don't pay their tithes think that God's just blowing smoke here to get you to pay your money to the church. If you believe that, you would have your tithes in the instant you're paid, you'd be on your computer at work. Let me pay my tithes, let me pay my tithes. Because God promised me, said, prove me, prove it to me. By a show of hands, has anybody here tonight been blessed? You feel very confident you've been blessed because of tithing? I mean, look at everybody all over the building. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want that? Oh, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather not have God's blessing I, I don't need that. I'm, I'm fine just like I am. I have plenty. I mean, if God wanted to give me a 30% raise, I don't really need that. And, and if God moved on somebody to bring me a brand new automobile, I don't need that. I'm happy with that thing I got now, even though it's in the shop all the time. That's what you're saying when you don't pay your tithes. Don't say you can't afford it. Can't afford not to. Well, here's another part of this. In verse 11, he even said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. And all nations shall call you blessed. That's what happens to people who tithe. There's a family in our church, and again, I'm trying to be real careful here, but people need to hear the story. Um, they just had, I'll just say it this way, and some of you will know who I'm talking about, and I don't think they'll mind. But they just had the most unbelievable house transaction I've ever heard of in my life. It's been the most unbelievable story. If you want to know who it is, go to about eight different people in this church. You'll find out. They'll tell you. I just want them to get the blame and not me. But anyway. But this is what God does for people who pay their tithes consistently. Uh, I hope those of you that are faithful tithers aren't bored with this. Okay, Pastor, we pay our tithes. You should be excited about this. Because this is an amazing conduit for blessing into your life. And so at this point in the history of Israel, we find that the whole nation is backslid from God once again. God actually confronted them specifically about their robbery of God in tithes and offerings. And if you were asked tonight, are you robbing God? 
we would all say, absolutely not. I wouldn't consider. How can I rob God? Not pay your tithes. It's real simple. It's real simple. As a matter of fact, did you know that one of the Ten Commandments says very blatantly, thou shalt not steal? And, of course, we know that this is one of the moral laws of God that never changes. It wasn't done away with in, in the Old Testament, going into the New Testament. God attaches a moral law to the laws of tithing when he says, you have robbed me and tithes an offering. God goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I want to be real careful here, but I have found the people that are most resistant to tithing have the most issues of one form or another in their life that most people who do tithe don't experience. It's a true statement. It's a true statement. So if we cheerfully bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse, God has promised to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that we're not able to receive. I'm not here to imply that your life is going to be perfect. There's not going to be any trial or heartache. Tithing is a, it's, it's, it's to prove the evidence of faith that exists in your life. And God is going to continually try your faith. The Bible teaches that all throughout the New Testament. We are tried. We are tried every day. We are tried every day. And sometimes God will want to pour, you, pour out a blessing on you and your family. And so he will try you with something that has to do with money. And it will make you question it says, well, God, I've tithed all these years, and why am I struggling financially right now? Because he has something amazing down the road for you that so many of you have learned. So he's going to try you to see if your faith in tithing is still there. And if you continue tithing, when it's money short and you don't have it enough to go around, God says, okay, now I know, so now I'll bless you even more. That's what he does. I had a woman, I'm going to have to stop here, I'm not nearly done, but had a, a lady in our church in, when we were in Baker. Well, the person still attends our church. Stood right in the center aisle about where Sister Wanda's sitting. Baker Church. And um, tears streaming down her face. Sister Murphy knows this story very well. It says, she came up to me crying and said, Brother Murphy, when is God going to bless me for tithing? This person Everything around them, domestically, financially, emotionally, you name it, was happening in their life. I mean, the world was falling apart. Husband had been in a bad accident and couldn't work. If I told you who that person was now and how they're doing now, you would say that woman would have been a fool not keep tithing because God has opened the windows of heaven on that person I've watched it for almost 25 years God has taken care of this person every step every step every step so I want to reiterate to our church I know it's Christmas time and I know money is tight and and People sometimes are having a hard time and whatnot. But when you're short on money, tithing is not the first thing to go. Tithing is the first thing you do. And those that 
like to look for shortcuts and say, I tithe on my net income. Let me let pastor tell you something. Let me give you a gold nugget here. If you're looking for a shortcut to pay tithes cheaper, you've missed the whole point. IRS is not like taxes. I mean, you can find loopholes in the tax code, and there's lots of them, and help yourself as long as you're not stealing. As long as it's legal, you find whatever you can find. But when it comes to God, you don't want to find a loophole to pay less. You want to find reason to pay more because the more you give, the more he's going to give back to you. And I'm thankful tonight I'm talking to uh, a lot of people here that has experienced that. You live it, and it works. And so for all of our wonderful givers, our wonderful tithers, you've been able to do our church so much. You've been able our church to do so much. Um, I thank you for your giving. But it's not, it's not my place to express gratitude for that. Um, I can promise you God appreciates it. He made a very clear statement about Abraham, and I believe he can make the same statement about a lot of us here tonight. I'm thankful tonight to have to give, and I'm thankful tonight for a heart to want to give it. And God has blessed my life and my family more than I can measure. Thank the Lord. So, Lord willing, I'll pick the rest of this up this coming Wednesday night, Lord willing, and uh, try to finish it. It's kind of a long lesson tonight, so I'll just break it in half. But keep on giving. The more you give, the more he's going to give to you. Thank the Lord. God bless you for being here tonight. Thank you so very much for being here. And uh, be a little social with one another before you leave. God bless you, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday. And don't forget to go online and sign up for the banquet. Thank the Lord. God bless you.